This is a brief healing, and I am Sensei Raven Akundayo. Revelations, episode 8 of the Emmy-nominated hit Pose, aired last Tuesday. Almost a week has passed, but before tomorrow's episode airs, episode 9, Life's a Beach, I wanted to share my thoughts. People throughout the Misfit universe have been asking me to share my opinion, especially in regards to Pray Tell and Ricky's sex scene, and I've held off. Mostly because I knew if I talked about it too much, I wouldn't care to discuss it here. But I want to tackle a number of things in that episode. I'll save Prey and Ricky for later. It goes without saying that this brief healing is spoiler heavy. So be warned if you haven't watched the episode yet. I'd first like to start off talking about Angel and Little Poppy. Angel and Esteban <laughs> went down a pretty dark path during episode 8. Little Poppy and Angel go to an industry party, and Angel is now ready to make her love with Little Poppy official to everyone, and tells people they're now in a relationship. She shares with Little Poppy that the only way that he can actually go is if he states that he is her boyfriend. I personally feel like we missed something in between this. I guess I just felt like something bigger would happen to help her see how amazing Little Poppy was to her, but the moment was kind of small for such a seemingly important storyline. Anyway. They went to the party, and once they got through the velvet rope and were into VIP, they were offered cocaine. Little Poppy was totally against it and even pulled Angel away to tell her that he thought this was a bad idea. However, Angel believed that the man providing the coke was steering them in the wrong, I mean, in the right direction, excuse me, uh, stating that it was no different than any other regular over-the-counter medicine for them to take. I found it shocking that both of them, especially Lil Poppy, were naive enough to fall for what it is that he said. But down that unfortunate rabbit hole they went. Angel ended up being extremely late for a photo shoot with BB, one that she had been looking forward to. It was going to be a really big deal for her. I loved that the woman who was the head of the agency that Angel works for genuinely likes Angel. I could have imagined this scene going in a totally different direction where she fired Angel because she could tell that she was coked up. But instead, she talked to Angel respectfully and let her know that she was worth more than that and continued with the photo shoot. The corrupt photographer from Angel's past in past episodes where you all saw him and I, the guy that uh, Angel, I mean, uh, Little Poppy ended up beating up for her, he was actually the person doing this photo shoot. But going into that whole storyline and what I believe could have ended up happening um, that we didn't see on camera, I think that would take a little too long to go into. Now, we get to Damon. He was the main focus of season one. I appreciate that season two is much more of an ensemble story, but he had a lot of really great moments in this episode, from his final dance performance at school to when he laid into Praytel after finding out that he slept with Ricky. I think this is the best he's been all season. Also, he's the only one I've seen a noticeable change in age-wise. I don't know if he was the youngest cast member, however, he seems taller and thicker. His voice even seems a little deeper to me. Everyone else sounds and looks the exact same but him. That's a very noticeable thing that I noticed this season. Then we get to Angel and Damon in their relationship. Now, I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but Angel coming for Damon at the dinner table felt really strange to me. Now, people have told me that this is probably because she was on drugs. However, she didn't even have a starting point with him. They didn't have any beef at all. Damon even kept Angel and Lil Poppy's drug experience a secret. 
So her coming for him out of nowhere and being shady was really, really strange to me. It still doesn't, it still doesn't make sense to me even now from a storyline point of view. But with that being said, it was an awesome scene. <laughs> the whole episode was really, really good, but this was a standout scene. I mean, there are whole memes and gifts being made of it now. Everyone in that scene wore it out, including Electra and Blanca, who we'll get to later. Now for Lulu. While I think that it's very realistic that Lulu would become closer to others outside of her house after Candy passed away, it does seem interesting that she was initially even cattier than Candy and less, and less about wanting to be around others, and suddenly she's teaming with Ricky and Damon as the quote-unquote next generation that needs to carry the ball for the trans and queer communities. Don't get me wrong, I love seeing her with them and it's adding layers to her character, but again, it feels as if something was skipped over storyline-wise. Now, as stated earlier, we're now on Blanca and Electra. Something I can say that I love about both of them is that they seem very real to me. The two of them are people that I have met and know. They're both peers and elders that I've, I've experienced in my life. Electra can be so nasty and dismissive, but you constantly see how she can change on a dime if she wants to. The way she shows up for Blanca, and likewise, the way that Blanca shows up for her, I think is one of the most important storylines of the series. No matter what they go through, they always have the others back. And now we get to Pray Tell and Ricky. We're here. And the truth is, I don't know exactly where to begin. So, um, what I will say is always, when it comes to me, I find balance. So if you're listening to this to hear me tear into one side more than the other, you're sadly mistaken. I can defend and oppose both, and so I shall. But quick backstory. Ricky gets tested again and finds out that he's HIV positive, and Prey is with him when he finds out. Before this happens, Ricky had begun flirting with Prey, but Prey pretty much pays it. After the news, Ricky becomes closer to Praytel, as Prey himself is positive and helps Ricky become adjusted with this new life journey. Ricky is at Prey's house and it's time for him to leave. He then asks Prey if he can stay over and Prey gives him the okay, providing him with sheets and pillows for the sofa. In the middle of the night, Ricky climbs into bed with Prey. They eventually begin to make love. And no matter what side you land on, we must all agree that this was a very powerful moment to witness. Two black men making love naked on television. That was major. Now, let's break down both sides. There are those who oppose this scene. They, like Blanca and Electra, believe that Praytel is an elder and shouldn't have sex with kids in their house-slash-ballroom community. They feel as though that's taking advantage of Ricky and Prey knew better. In the end, Blanca cut Prey out of her life for this, as we also have to take into consideration that Ricky is also Damon's ex, and Prey knew this and still slept with him. Now, in this argument, here is where I can agree. I think it's important in our community for people to understand boundaries, which we seldom do. People are called brothers cousins, daddies, and the like all the time, and you're often little more than a fuck buddy or a friend who fucks. Even if there is a much closer relationship, if you all are engaging in sexual acts, should you be calling one another familial names? Now, we all know the term daddy is used in the bedroom, 
but referring to a sexual partner as your brother, cousin, and the like in the streets? That can blur the hell out of lines and confuse things, often for the younger person the most. Prey could have seen this as an opportunity to be a mentor to Ricky, to be to him what no one else was to Prey. Also, as stated earlier, Ricky is Damon's ex. No matter where Prey was mentally and emotionally, he should have taken that into consideration before moving forward physically. As someone who works with young adults 18 to 24 on a daily basis, I couldn't imagine sleeping with any of the young queer men in my program. We are human, so I understand that Praytel found Ricky attractive, and his argument that Ricky is a grown man is true, however, we must also take into consideration the damage this can do in the future on multiple levels. It can't just be about what you want and desire in the moment. Now there are also those who agree with Prey. They believe that Ricky and Prey are both grown men and made an adult decision to sleep together. They combat the argument that it was irresponsible sex with the fact that Ricky has stayed with Praytel after and that they both seemingly have strong feelings for the other. I've seen several people online speak to how lonely it can be as someone who's positive and believing that no one else would ever want you and how it feels when someone actually sees you. Now, that's why I can also understand this side of things. Can we say that Praytel was wrong? Of course we can. But can all of us also say we know what it feels like to believe no one will ever see us again? That no one will ever view you as beautiful or sexually desirable? Now, many of us have had those moments, but imagine yourself being over 40 with HIV in the early 90s. Prey didn't feel like he'd find anyone after he lost the love of his life. Then Ricky saw him. And all that Prey could see was that someone viewed him as more than the loud queen calling out the categories in the ball scene. Someone wanted his body to connect with him on a deeper level than the ballroom. He wanted to know that HIV didn't win, that he was still desirable to someone he deemed attractive. Ricky is indeed an adult and made an adult choice to sleep with Prey. This was a situation of mutual grief. Many have said that Ricky was in a vulnerable place, but let's be clear that Prey was also in a vulnerable place as well. They both poured their pain and lust into each other equally. In the end, we can sit here and say that Prey was wrong, but shame on anyone who doesn't take the time to see both sides, because none of us are perfect. We, who are older in the queer and trans community, have to know that even if we don't believe we have an obligation to, to the younger generations, that obligation exists anyway. They are looking up to us, and we should be ready to break cycles at all times. Continuing on this journey of daddy and cousin and, you know, family members, we don't have to continue on that path. We can make a decision today that that stops. I'm sleeping with you because you are someone who I desire and you desire me and we move forward in that. However, people should also be very mindful of their judgments. When condemning people, you can't speak solely from your past pain and what you've experienced, as all situations won't look the same. A 30-year-old man may indeed sleep with a 21-year-old 20, a man 
And while many of us may scoff and roll our eyes, they could end up being happy in a long-term relationship for many years to come in spite of all of our judgment. Many like to operate out of black and white only. You'll rarely get that with me. Humans are far too complex for that. I believe in shades of gray, and I think that they are much more realistic and provide people with an opportunity to be flawed and to be great as well. No matter what side you stand on considering this topic, concerning, excuse me, I believe we all can agree that Post continues to provide important conversations for us to discuss. Thanks so much for listening, and make sure to check out tomorrow's Healers and Healing episode with Mark Travis Rivera. I love you all, misfits. Namaste.